This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. Welcome in to another edition of the Fly the W670 podcast. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show. The guys are on live from 5.30 until 10 on your radio home, 670, for our Chicago Cubs. If you like what you hear on the podcast, I warm things up from 5 to 5.30. And as always, I'm here with my buddy Crowley. Crowley, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. You know, I know people are disappointed at the end uh, result of today's game, but in general, it's a good series. You can follow me on Twitter at Crawley's Cubs. You could follow us on Twitter and Instagram, fly the W670, Facebook, fly the W, or our email account, fly the W670 at gmail.com. All right, Crawley, we're calling this one season one, episode number 27, and the title is Classic Cubs Cardinals. As you just said, um, some people might be upset with what happened today. Let me let me raise my hand. Let me raise my hand and say I am that guy. I am extra crispy. If you like your bacon extra crispy, you're going to like what I have to say as we roll through <laughs> this podcast, especially when we get to game number five, Crowley. Game number five is where Dustin goes off the deep end. All right, let's start it off. We had our predictions. I said, please just don't get swept, and I did feel confident the Cubs would win one of the five games. They at least do do that as we go through this. I think you were two out of three, or were you three out of two? Uh, I don't remember. Refresh think, our memory. I'll say, I think I was. I said uh, three out of two, I think I said. Okay, well, let's, let's start it off. Let's go to game one, and Drew Smiley was on the mound for the Cubs, and honestly, Crowley, at this point, it feels like we've been playing the Cardinals for 10 days, and maybe it's because of what happened today, which is Thursday. Yeah, you know, there was, Jay, let me get to Tuesday night if you want, Crispy, but uh, game one, Drew Smiley versus Jordan Montgomery. We got a pitcher's duel, ocean pitcher's duel. Five total hits in the game. Each team only had one extra base hit. Bottom of the third, two outs, Christopher Morrell doubles to left. He advances the third on what was a missed catch error by Paul DeYoung. The the throw came in. He just kind of dropped it and kind of was uh, lax. He was lollygagging. And uh, head, heads up on Morrell's part, he just scoots to third. But unfortunately, Magical grounded out. That's the only hit of the game for the Cubs. 
That's the only extra base hit for the Cubs. The only extra base hit for the Cardinals came from Albert Pujols, who hit his 693rd home run of his career. He took his walker around the bases. And (laughs) by hitting that home run right there, Pujols ties Barry Bonds in the number of pitchers that they have hit homers off of. 449 different pitchers. 30 of those 693 pitchers, uh, home runs for Pujols, came at Wrigley Field. So that was a final Cubs lose one nothing. I tell you what, Crowley, I am a nine eight kind of guy, a ten six kind of guy. I am not a one nothing. I am not a two to one kind of guy. But I have to admit, and I said this on the pregame show on Wednesday morning, this was one of the best one nothing games I had watched. And I don't know if it was the the pitching by Smiley, the energy and excitement that Christopher Morell continues to bring day in and day out, or just witnessing the history of 693 for Pujols, and I, you gave me a big kick with that, with his walker. And then just the when you think about 449 different pitchers and that that actually ties him with Barry Bonds with that number. So that's a number that he is definitely going to pass Barry in. He's definitely going to hit... Well, I can't say definitely. There's a good there's a good chance he's going to hit another home run before the end of this year, and that hopefully, because I want to see it put Barry Bonds in the rearview mirror, be off the 450th pitcher in his career. Just a, just a wild, just trying to wrap your head around those kind of numbers. It's just wild. Yeah, and 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 I I can't believe only 30 home runs at Wrigley Field. I would have put that number closer to 98. <laughs> it feels that way, doesn't it? If memory it? <laughs> serves, but uh, True Smiley, when, you know, another great start. Seven innings pitch, four hits. That 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 it wasn't like a monster home run either, but it was a home run nonetheless. Two walks, six Ks, and that was Morel with the only hit. Jordan Montgomery, nine innings pitch, one hit, zero walks, seven Ks, 99 pitches. His first complete game, his first career shutout, his first career Maddox. If you don't know what a Maddox is, it's a complete game shutout with less than 100 pitches and 16 scoreless innings against the Cubs this season. The Cardinals pulled more of their weird-ass trade. I would never trade with this team, but they traded Harrison Bader and his gimpy arm for this stud lefty, and he has absolutely baffled the Cubs uh, with the, when he was with the Yankees the one game and now with the Cardinals. Yeah, I feel the Cubs have a real issue against left-handers. It just feels that way. I don't have any stats right this second at my fingertips, Crowley, to support that. But I just feel like the Cubs really, really struggle uh, against the lefties. And, yeah, I mean, Jordan Montgomery, they got him for what? I mean, yeah, it was a great trade by them. No doubt about that. Uh, Yeah. Game two, though, is another pitcher's duel. We were talking about how hot the Cardinals hitting was coming in. Like, I was looking at the last seven days before they came in. Like, every guy was hitting over 300. Another pitcher's duel. This is Javier Assad who gets the call up versus the old wily veteran Adam Wainwright. Top of the first, uh, kind of interesting. Lars Newtbar doubles to left. He advances to third on a wild pitch. Gets Brendan Donovan to ground out. Then Paul Goldschmidt reaches on a fielder's choice. He hits the ball to P.J. Higgins, who rifles it home. The throw wasn't the greatest, but uh, Jan Gomes just does a great job with the tag. As Newtbar kind of misses the base, and they're kind of doing a little dance as he's trying to get back in. And then Arenado grounds out to end the threat. Uh, Assad also will pitch out of a two-out bases loaded jam in the third. So the kid showed a little bit of poise there. Bottom of the third, though, back-to-back singles by Morell and McKinstry. Warner hits a high chopper to second. Morell scores. McKinstry to third. Cubs take that one-nothing lead. Happer walks. Seiya singles. 
And that one pinballed off Wainwright's glove through the infielders and McKinstry <laughs> scores half to third. That makes it two, nothing top of the fifth Lars Newtbar doubles. Brandon Donovan walks Michael Rucker replaces Assad. So uh, in the fifth inning and he gets Goldschmidt to strike out Arenado to pop out Gorman to fly out. The threat is ended and there will be no more real action in that game as the Cubs take that one two to nothing. Yes. Yes. I did feel comfortable, Crowley. I felt comfortable that the Cubs would win at least one of the two games in the doubleheader, and that's exactly what happened. Two to nothing. And uh, you just didn't say it being the Javier Assad game. I, well, I didn't. You know, I think when we were making these predictions, I didn't even know who Javier Assad was. To be honest with you, Crowley, I, I knew who he was. I knew he was with the Iowa Cubs, but I, I did not anticipate him being the guy at that point. No, Mm-mm. he goes. That's 40. not why I thought they would win one. That's not why I thought they would win one, one of the two. Was because of Assad. To answer your question directly, no. Four innings pitch for him, though. Four hits, zero runs, four walks, three Ks. The bullpen of Rucker, Newcomb, Ullman, and Hughes combined for five innings pitch, one hit, zero runs, zero walks, and two Ks. Offense, two runs on five hits, eight men left on base, two for, fen- two for ten with runners in scoring position. Morell was two for three with the Cardinals. Ain't Wainwright, six innings pitch, five hits, two runs. The offense, though, didn't help him out. Zero runs on five hits. But the old Lars Newtbar uh, went two for four. <laughs> I don't know if I like hearing you say Lars Newtbar more or Zach Zaidman saying Lars Newtbar more. So yeah, you and Zach know, just, both have a way with it. Yeah, it rolls it, off I, the tongue. Right. I think it has something to, and I, and I picture something with coconut when I think of a Lars Newtbar. <laughs> uh, all right, game number three, Crowley. So we got a double header going in this one. Adrian Sampson looking for his second win as a Cubs starter. Yep, does not happen. I'll tell you that much. And I was at the game, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> another pitcher's duel, it looked like, until the wheels fell completely off of Samson in the fourth. We talked about the one bad inning. This inning seemed to take like two hours. Uh, top of the fourth, he gets Goldschmidt to line out. So, hey, Goldschmidt's out. This is a great start to the inning. Arenado homers. Then Nolan Gorman singles. Tyler O'Neill homers. You're down 3 nothing. Corey Dickerson and Andrew Kinzinger single. Samson's pulled. Nicholas Padilla makes his MLB debut. Tommy Edmond flies out. Dickerson makes it to third. Newt Barr walks. You got the bases loaded. Donovan singles to Suzuki, who loses the ball on the transfer. Two run scores. And just like that, it's not a close game anymore. Five to nothing. Yeah, I think at that Absolutely point, Crowley, I kind of I kind of went muted the game. I was really frustrated by the whole thing. And David Hall had a funny line. I mean, he said that, you know, this Cubs pitching change brought to you by the Google machine because <laughs> you basically have to put some of these names that you're mentioning um, into the Google machine or listen to this podcast to find out about them and a little bit of background. Yeah, and so Padilla did all right. Top of the fifth, one out, Nolan Gorman walks. Tyler O'Neill grounds out, Gorman to second. He advances to third on a wild pitch. Corey Dickerson doubles, Gorman scores, and the Cubs now trail 6-0, top of the sixth. Tommy Edmonds solo shot makes it 7-0, and it just gets worse from there. You know, the uh, problem, least- <laughs> Crowley, is when you're talking about, when you're, you're, you're going through this, you're doing a great job. You know, okay, Goldschmidt's name is it, but that's it. Like, the, the rest of these guys, it's like, who, who, you know, Goldschmidt's the name early, and he got him to line out. But then it's not like... They've got all these names that you know, all these sluggers, and it's just it, oh, it's so frustrating. That's the Cardinals. They got their devil magic. They make up players at some factory, and they do really great, and then they trade them, and no one ever hears them again. That's what happens every time. 
it, it can be frustrating as all hell. These are just made up names that they just kind of pick out of a hat and they put them together. They make the guy look like, you know, whatever. I, I've, I've seen this story, man. I've seen it way too many times. And, and I would never trade with the Cardinals. Never, ever. All so right, we, finish, finish a wrap on this one, At least one, the Cubs, the, you know, Ortega had an RBI double in the bottom of the sixth. They didn't get Cubs shut out. On the board. Okay. Yeah, they didn't get shut out. He scores on a wild pitch in the eighth, Ortega. It's seven to two. Also in the eighth, Brad Miel Reyes hits a ground rule double to make it 73, but then the Cardinals blow it open in the ninth, scoring six runs off Anderson, Espinosa, and Steven Brault. Uh, Fran Miel Reyes makes his pitching debut for the Cubs. I don't know if you had the Google machine him, but I had to look twice at seeing it the size of that giant man on the mound. And <laughs> Fran Miel Reyes will always be my hero because I'm at the game, and the Cardinals fans are just crowing, man. They're loving this shit. And this is probably like three innings they're chanting every time for Albert Pujols. They want to see him pinch hit, get a home run, right? All these all these Cardinal fans. So all of a sudden, here he comes, you know. He comes in the ninth. He got a position player pitching, and they're all on their feet. And what does Fran Mil Reyes do? But he plunks them. And for that, Fran Mil Reyes, you will forever be my hero. Absolutely. Who ordered the code red? Who ordered the code red, Carl? And he gets Goldschmidt to ground into a ground rule double. But the final is Cardinals 13, Cubs 3, Adam Sampson, three innings pitch, eight hits, five runs, zero walks, zero Ks. Espinosa and Braun gave up seven runs out of the pen. The offense had three runs on seven hits, five left on base, one for seven. Magical was two for three. For the Cardinals, Woodford went, uh, he ended up having 5.1 innings pitched, four hits, one run, one walk, one K. The offense had 13 runs on 16 hits, nine left on base, five for 12 with runners in scoring position. Arenado, three for four with an RBI. Dickerson, four for five with an RBI. O'Neill, two for four with an RBI. The only entertainment I got out of this game, if you saw my viral video, was a fight in the bleachers where a guy got tossed six rows down. Yeah, that thing went uh, that thing went crazy, that video, Crowley. That thing went crazy. The funny thing today on the show, we have uh, Tommy Hadovy every other Thursday with Mully and Haw, and he talked about when he saw Reyes um, the next night, and he said... Hey, you got to work on the curveball, and Reyes was like, "What? Huh? What?" Like he got caught off guard by it. So I thought that was pretty. That was pretty because the the curveball is what he plunked uh, pools with. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was great. I loved it. Yeah. So the uh, Cubs do not get to fly the W in that one. That takes us to uh, game number four, and we uh, get uh, Luke Farrell making a return to Wrigley Field. Yeah, the Cubs win two games, and the ones they win are Javier Assad starts and Luke Farrell starts. Did you have that on your bingo card? And that's versus Miles Michaelis, of all people. Right. And bottom of the second, Nico Horner singles, Wisdom walks, Ortega with one of those beautiful little perfect bunts that just dies before going over, you know, right in perfect position. He was hoping it would roll foul. Bases loaded, no outs. Gomes grounds into a force out. Ortega's uh, out at second, but Horner scores. Got runners at the corner, and uh, Nelson Velasquez with a double into the Ivy. Wisdom scores. Gomes goes to third. The Cubs lead 2-0. McKinstry gowns out. Another run scores. And so Velasquez to third, but the Cubs score three in the second. Top of the third, two outs. Aaron Notto ejected for arguing a check swing call. He was hot, and it was great to see him get tossed. Top of five. Lars Newtbar homers. <laughs> Cubs, so the Cubs lead is now cut to three to one, but in the bottom of the seventh, Zach McKinstry hits his first homer as a Cub, a two run blast with Gomes along for the ride. And the Cubs lead five to one. 
Bottom of the eighth, back-to-back -back singles by Hap and Reyes. Nico singles, Hap scores. Pinch runner Morell, who pinch ran for Reyes, gets to third. Wilson reaches on a fielder's choice, which is a comebacker to the pitcher. Morell's caught in a rundown. Suzuki pinches for Ortega. He's intentionally walked. Bases are loaded. Jan Gomes sack fly makes it seven to one, and that's your final. Uh, Farrell did just about, you know, you couldn't, Luke did fine. 4.1 innings pitch, six hits, one run, zero walks, three Ks. The offense had seven runs on nine hits, four left on base, four for nine with runners in scoring position. Horner goes three for four, Ortega two for three. While the Cardinals, Miles Michaelis goes 6.2. Innings pitch, six hits, five runs, three are earned, one walk, three Ks. Their offense only had one run on nine hits, eight left on base, 0 for six with runners in scoring position. But Dickerson has been going off. He went four for four. You know, and Crowley, I know we're going to talk about it in the second or third segment of the podcast tonight. But, um, you know, that game, what also made that game great was, you know, this morning going in and doing the show, Cubs win, and Pat Hughes goes into the Cubs Hall of Fame, finds out that he's going in. And it's also, to wrap up that inning, was when Arenado got ejected <laughs> on that check swing call. So it was just a fun night at Wrigley Field, and uh, it just felt good to come in this morning having the Cubs uh, flowing the second W and coming into a Game 5 and having the opportunity, Crowley, to what, win their fifth series in a row? That would have been Marcus, number six if they would have Six won. in a row. That would have been number six in a row. And Marcus Stroman was on the hill. So i got to be honest with you. Even though I had just said don't get swept, I was actually pulling and thinking that the Cubs might be in a good chance to win. But then when I saw David Ross's lineup, I was a little, mm, I'm not so sure. And then Marcus Stroman took the hill. Yeah, and, and, and if you remember the last episode we talked about, it was one of Marcus Stroman's best starts. This one was no good. Uh, top of the first one out, he gave up back-to-back -back walks to Donovan and Goldschmidt, back-to-back -back singles to Corey Dickerson and Nolan Gorman. The Cubs trail two to nothing. Tyler O'Neill sack fly makes it three nothing St. Lou. Top of the second, Adam Kinzinger doubles Lars Newtbar singles on a ball deflected by Wisdom. Cardinals at the corners and Brandon Donovan grounds into a force out. Runner still at the corner, um, but they get uh, Goldschmidt to strike out uh, swinging and they catch Kinzinger in a rundown between third and home. So that was kind of an exciting play right there bottom of the second Hap doubles Reyes singles Hap scores are and then Reyes reaches second by throwing air by Tommy Edmond and the Cubs trail three to one so thank you Tommy Edmond on that one but they couldn't get Reyes in top of the 30 and Hap robs Nolan Gorman of extra base hits with a catch he would have a couple great catches gold glove for Ian Hap I, I could I could check that box I could check that box, and Stroman should be buying him something uh, cold and large after that game because uh, his line could have been much worse if not for a, a nice catch there by Ian Happ. Right, bottom of the third, McKinstry singles, Horner grouds out, McKinstry to second, Saya singles, runners at the corner, Happ singles, McKinstry scores, Cubs trail 3-2, to two. they're still in this until they're not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> top of the fourth, one out, Adam Kinzinger, Lars Newpar, Brandon Donovan, all singles. Paul Goldschmidt singles and Kinzinger and Newtbar score. You know, you, you can't stop Goldschmidt. You can only try to contain him. They did a good job up until this point, but this well, was... Well, you could, but see here, Crowley, now this is where I'm going to... We're going to do this now? Th th yes, you can. Yes, you can. Let's go, let's go back up a couple of minutes from right this second. Goldschmidt walks. I know Goldschmidt struck out, but Goldschmidt... Like, come on. Walk this guy. Enough. 
I mean, are the Cub fans going to boo David Ross and the Cubs for what? You know, I don't care that some guy from St. Louis came up and spent good money in Chicago and got to watch Paul Goldschmidt watch. That's, oh, God, so frustrating. I'm trying to stay FCC here, Crowley, but boy, I am red-assed over this game. Yeah, you know, you wonder what would have happened otherwise, but because the next batter, Corey Dickerson, grounds to first. Wisdom throws out Donovan at home, so the inning's over. But the da- damage was done by Goldschmidt. Top of the six, how about some more Goldschmidt? He homers, right. the Cubs trail six to two, and then he homers again in the eighth, making it eight to two. I mean, enough. I mean, absolutely enough. I mean, we talk about winning versus development, okay? We've done a ton of that on this podcast. And I get the development thing. But is it development getting your brains beat in by Paul Goldschmidt? Oh well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch to the best guy in baseball and I'm gonna watch him homer off me. Boy, do I feel good going into 2023. I don't think so. Well, I can just tell you Nico hit a ground rule double, and uh, you know, the Cubs are gonna lose eight to three. And the funny thing that you're talking about. Crowley's not biting. Crowley's not biting. I a hundred percent understand what you're saying. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I think it sucks because of at this point again you're not playing for anything and there these these are your tryouts here you go against one of the best what's it like to face him mm. and 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 mm. it's annoying as hell i get it but at this point in time you know uh it's i would rather you know there's times where these games count and every win matters and this is not one of those kinds now when you're in that situation when you're in the playoff hunt and you got a guy like Paul Goldschmidt. What's the one thing you say? Don't let Paul Goldschmidt beat you. At, at this point, I, you know, okay, Stroman, let's see if you can do it. Okay. And, and the funny thing is, is that the Cubs, I have the numbers here. This is what they did against Goldschmidt coming into t- today. Game one, 0 for 4. Game two, 1 for 3 with a walk. Game three, 1 for 6. He didn't play game four. He didn't play game four. Yeah. And then game five, he was 3 for 4 with a walk. So before today... He was two for 13 with a walk after today where he had five hits with, with three for four with a walk within game five, he ends up five for seven, you know, with two homers, uh, the final tally, he ends up going, let me see the math here, 10, 17. He goes, he ends up five for 17 with two homers and five RBIs. How about two for 13 with six walks? That would have been much more preferred. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and so at this point in time, you know, it was it was just a bad start for Stroman. That's the way you put it. Five innings pitched, 11 hits, five runs, two walks, 1K. The offense scored three runs on eight hits. They left six on base, four for 10 with runners in scoring position. Suzuki, two for four. Nico, three for four. He's starting to break out of that slump he was in. Uh, but for the Cardinals, Hudson uh, gave up five hits, two runs, two walks, four Ks. The offense had eight runs on 16 hits. Nine left on base, five for 12 at runners in scoring position. Goldschmidt was three for four with two home runs and five RBIs. Brandon Donovan, two for four. Tommy Edmond, three for five. Goldschmidt, if you took out his numbers, the game was tied. But Goldschmidt beats the Cubs on his own with five runs. Unbelievable. Can we go, go back to Stroman for a second? You just mentioned 16 hits by the Cardinals offense yeah. Thursday afternoon. Stroman in five innings gives up 11 of those. Yeah. Five runs, two walks, one K. Okay, you know, he 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 gets the first two guys to walk. Those two runs get batted in. He only strikes out one. He gives up eleven hits. This is the Cardinals. This is the Cubs. You, you know, like he he's not he is not an ace. And I don't know if he's a number two. And I don't right now know if he's even a number three. Okay, he's definitely behind Justin Steele. 
And I think he's going to be behind whoever they bring in in the offseason. I am very disappointed in Marcus Stroman today. Uh, as far as disappointed in today, I would say, yeah, I think he's had some really good starts. Uh, he hasn't had he has, many- but I am so, you know, maybe I, you know, and they play 162 of these and it's not football and I get all, but it's just like, I am all about what have you done for me today? Today. <laughs> and it's the Cardinals. I mean, it Crowley, that still means something to me. Cubs, yeah, no, Cardinals. No. I, I get what you're saying. Absolutely. It's just a matter Cubs, of... Pirates, I would have been like, well, it's the Pirates. He should have done better. I would have gotten over it. But what, right, what now, have... I, right now, I can't get over it. Right I can only say that Marcus Stroman wanted to pitch a good game, too, and he didn't. And, and and that's the thing is you may have 30 starts in a year, and in about 15 of those, you'll have your good stuff. In about five of those, you're going to absolutely get rocked. And it's what you do with the other starts, the other 15 starts, when you don't have your best stuff and you don't have your worst stuff that kind of tells what kind of pitcher you are. So you're going to have these pitchers that have these games that are just awful. And this was one of them for Marcus Stroman. Now, you know, his contract is not a bad contract. There's three years, there's opt-outs. I don't know what's going to happen in the long run. But the last time we were talking, when he absolutely dominated Milwaukee, you know, the fans were on their feet cheering him, and he was just talking about how much he loves Cub fans. So, (laughs) you know, that's just kind of how the game goes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to Season 1, Episode number 27 of the Fly, the W670 Podcast. We are calling this one Classic Cubs-Cardinals. The Cardinals get out of town, thankfully. The Cubs are going to get out of town. They are going to head up to Milwaukee to take on the Brewers. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, Crowley. But we've got some odds and ends, some notes, and some stuff to celebrate in this next segment. Yeah, first off, MLB has released their new schedule and uh, this one's an interesting one, Dustin, and I'd love to hear your take on it right here. For the first time ever, MLB, all 30 clubs will face each other at least once. 52 total divisional games, 64 total interleague games, 46 total interleague games. All 30 Cubs clubs will play on opening day, Jackie Robinson Day, Lou Gehrig Day, July 4th, Roberto Clemente Day, and game 162. Thoughts? I love I love it. I have no problem with it whatsoever. I like that that you play everybody. But when you do this, and when you open up the season where an American League and National League team are playing in some cases, then why do we have an American League and National League anymore? Why don't we even have a more balanced schedule where you try to figure out how to play every team? And I know it's probably not possible with the math, but every team equally. That That's my only issue. And then when we get to opening day next year, can I jump ahead for a second? Because yeah, this, this is what's got me hot. 
this morning, and it's it's a it's the same old same push button thing. I bet you this this is like your Christmas. I bet because you go to a lot of games, you'll take a road trip or two. Okay, the Cubs are going to open up at home on March the thirtieth against the Brewers. Yes, that makes no sense. <laughs> Why would you play the Brewers at home on March thirtieth when the Brewers have a roof on their building and we call it Wrigley North? That makes no sense. I will put every chip in the middle at Circa Resort and Casino, at Circa Sports, and I will bet, if I can get somebody to give me odds, that that game will not start on time. That game will either get canceled, but the tarp, the rental draft, the blue whatever blue blanket, whatever the tarp is called, Zach will be saying and tweeting out that the tarp is still on the field and we're in a rain delay or some well, kind Zach of delay. Zach uses tarpaulin. He, he uses the full word. He doesn't, he doesn't shorten it. So tarpaulin, okay. That that's what that's what's going to happen. There is no way that game will start on time on March the thirtieth at home against the Brewers. That is just dumb. Yeah, you know it. It is frustrating, and and uh, you know it, it. It's one of those. I I don't I don't know who makes a schedule. I know people complain that they should only play at Wrigley in the summer. The only thing, and this is not talking about that. They could easily flip Milwaukee and Chicago. That, yeah, that, just flip that. that. That's, makes, it. That's it. That's it. That's makes all, of course, sense. you got to play games in April in Chicago. I get that. Right. No problem. Yeah. But it's like the West Coast teams. The West Coast teams are the Southern teams. Coming north, you know, I didn't even look yet because it, I'll save it for later on on, a, on a, a, a slow day. You know, I'll bet the Blue Jays are opening, you know, in like Minnesota because it's just dumb. Right, right, right. The, the issue that people get mad about is about Northern teams and having to play games in April and May. And the one thing I always tell people in that is that everybody wants summer games. Kids are out, families are out, you know, teachers yeah, are out. Yeah, it's better for the box of office, right, absolutely. Right, and so no, you're not going to tell, say, Toronto, most of your games going to be April, May, and then in the summertime you don't, you're on the road more. So I think it should be more balanced, and I think that the Cubs should, you know – because I feel like sometimes the Cubs have these summer months sometimes, like in July or August, where they don't play a lot at Wrigley. So I, I'm, I'm obviously the mindset that, you know, Wrigley in the summertime is one of the best things. But I would say, Dustin, in my mind, this is something that irritates me, is that after they built the Miller Park, right, Miller North, whatever, with the retractable roof, right, then MLB should have stepped in and said, any team that builds a new stadium needs a roof on it. The fact that Minnesota didn't have a roof when that could have been built? Are you kidding me? In Minnesota, you don't have a roof, right? And, and but and then it gets down. I don't, you know, I don't disagree. But then it gets down to dollars and cents, and then you have to say, okay, if I if I was if I were the Minnesota Twins owner, I'd say, here, we're going to build a new stadium. We're going to charge the taxpayers because that's just what we do. But MLB and all the other owners, you got to help us put a roof on this thing. And they should all be retractable. And they should all be retractable moving forward since that technology exists. Right. And and, and here's the thing. I'm not going to cry for any billionaire. You want to you no. be in a big boy club? You got to pay for it. And so, right. I, I, no, right. I'm not, I'm not going to have that. And so, there's, it, and you know, you sit there and you complain about the revenue you lost on rain delays. Right. Right. So that's just my thought. But I think the one thing. Going backwards, though, Crawley, what do you think of that? And maybe you're about to answer it. i sorry if I'm cutting you off here. But what do you think about everybody playing everybody? I like it. I mean, I know it's not traditional, but, you know, they, they need to do something. And, and so just to give you an example, as someone that goes to a lot of games, I think I've seen Mike Trout play twice. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and so I do try as a season ticket holder to get games. But, but like, you know, it's going to be cool to see more of the players. I think the one thing I, lo- I would wish they would do is front load and back load the divisional games. So I want to see 
the NL Central. I want to see the Cardinals and the Reds and the Pirates and the Brewers. Like, you know, if you're talking about you got 52 division games, I want to see the majority of those games, say 20 in April and May and 20 in August, September. Because I think that makes for an exciting race. And then play all the other teams in the summertime. That's my preference. You could still you still have 12 games, so you still could have four series against each other in there. I think that would be cool. Finally, MLB's got their act together. All 30 clubs on opening day, Jackie Robinson, Lou Gehrig, July 4th, Roberto Clemente, game 162. How it possibly – think about this. July 4th is baseball's holiday. There literally is no other game in town. That should be absolutely – Absolute, it's about absolute must. They do that. Absolute must. Absolute must. That's a great – that's a great – Visual, you just gave our uh, our podcasters if they're catching the video of this. That's a great, great stat right there, Crowley. Great, great information. And we can look back at the calendar at a different time. There's a lot of different games, but you know, we'll, we'll that, that we'll wait for the season end before we start digging deeper in. Let's talk about the uh, Hall of Fame class. Cool moment last night on Cubs Radio and on Marquee Network. Um, Crane Kenny rolls into the booth and sitting down, and you think there's going to be some business of baseball, something happening over at Gallagher Way, and there was a very, very special announcement. Yeah, we will sit there, and we get the audio courtesy of 670, the score here. So let's hear Can you hear this? So of the 14 that were inducted, only two, or that were considered, only two came in. Jose was one, and I'll let you talk about the, the other one that's going in, Pat. Here's a, here's a little bio on, on the other person who's going in. Can you read that there, partner? I think it says, this is me going into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. The great Pat Hughes will be joining all of those legendary players and managers and broadcasters, as you just mentioned. To, uh, I don't even know what to say. And I thank you. I'm greatly pleased. And uh, I want to thank Ron Coomer. He's right here. I want to thank Mitch Rosen. I want to thank Zach Zaidman, also Rang, our engineer. Colin Faulkner is in the booth as well. I want to thank all of you guys for being here for this moment. But well, the, I, uh, thank you can thank the panel. Uh, obviously, Billy Williams, Ferguson Jenkins, Ryan Sandberg, Andre Dawson, Lee Smith, as well as a bunch of media members, all of them they considered the 14 candidates, only could find two that they believe should go in, and Jose Cardinal and, and Pat Hughes. So pretty special. I'm, I'm so pleased. I, I can't even believe it. I I know I have to keep doing play-by-play, play, so I'm going to focus on that. But here's a deep drive to left down the line in the corner. <laughs> Classic Pat. He's still classic Pat. Yep, classic Pat Hughes. There, he he was great. That was really special. I'm glad I got to see that and hear that last night. I thought uh, the score and Marquee did a nice job coordinating that. That was really held under wraps. Didn't even have a a clue, even a hint that that was going on. Saw my boss Mitch Rosen on television in the booth last night. Heard Zap clapping for him. Uh, Pat was nice enough to come on with us this morning. So it was cool to have him on for about 10 minutes this morning. If you want to hear that, you can go to the uh, Mully and Haw podcast page and check that out for yourself. But just a, a cool moment, Crowley, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me that hopefully this is a step in the right direction and eventually Pat Hughes gets also into the Baseball Hall of Fame. The fact that – so I, I'm going to tell you the truth here. Here's some truth. 
I got into like the t-shirt printing business and I, I worked with Pat Hughes's people and, a, and an artist friend of mine and we created this awesome shirts. I want to say it was 2020. And, and so what ends up happening is that Pat Hughes is up for a nomination and I'm positive the dude's getting in the, into the Ford Frick uh, announcers hall of fame. And I hear the announcement and you do not, you want to talk about red ass. You have Hawk Harrelson getting in before Pat Hughes. Are you kidding me? Just another, what a joke the hall of fame is to even think for a moment that, 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 that whatever his Hawk Harrelson, that guy, a hall of famer over Pat Hughes. Absolutely not. And so because of the way that the hall of fame works is that every three years it rotates. Okay. And so like they have uh, national, it's local broadcaster, national broadcaster the next year, the following year, they go like in the deep past of baseball, like someone that was overlooked. So Pat Hughes, after he didn't get it in 2020, he has to wait till 2023 to get another shot and it's absolute trash. So I'm very glad that the Cubs are recognizing him. Cooperstown will recognize him and the next time. It's just stupid to make him wait this long. Yeah, it's stupid he has to wait this long. Totally agree. And But I will push back a little bit. I think Hawk Harrelson was good for baseball. Um, he was entertaining. Um, no problem with that. And if anything, it would have been nice if the two of them might have got in on the same year. I'm going to take a hard pass. One of my all-time favorite movie, uh, favorite Cubs Sox games. I went to the, the cell, and uh, it was the last game that Hawk was announcing. And he was so sure that they were going to come out and play and beat them, and the Cubs beat the crap out of him. And he was sniveling and crying at the end, and I was laughing. It was, it was <laughs> absolutely wonderful. One All thing, right. though, I, I do want to point out really quick here that, that Crane was not accurate in that. First off, how amazing was that panel that they put together? I really like that they did that. But it's not just Jose Cardinal and Pat Hughes. Mind you, Jose Cardinal got a call from Eddie Vedder to find out, so how cool yeah, is that? Yeah, pretty cool. Eddie, I saw that on social media. Very cool. Eddie's favorite player. But yeah. a man that has been long overlooked and that many of us in the social media community have been pushing for is finally getting recognized for the Cubs. I, I, I'll tell this story a different day, but Buck O'Neill has been way overlooked by this organization way too long. The first African-American coach in MLB history coached for the Cubs. It was Buck O'Neill that got that scouted or signed and even saved Billy Williams. Billy Williams was ready to quit. It was Buck O'Neill they sent to bring him back. It was Buck O'Neill who drove Ernie Banks to get his first contract signed. It was Buck O'Neill that started that let's say let's play two and taught Ernie all those Ernieisms that we all know now. It was it was it was uh it was Buck O'Neill who scouted uh Lou Brock, Lee Smith. The fact that it's taken this long to uh recognize Buck O'Neill, one of the greats of all time in this game and one of the greatest ambassadors for baseball, frankly is a little bit embarrassing to be honest with you. Well, great job informing all of our listeners about Buck O'Neill's role because I doubt everybody knew as much as you did right there. Something else I was surprised to hear about, and I'll be curious when we see the actual names, but Jed Hoyer today on Thursday said he expects the Cubs to be down three or four players for the trip to Toronto next week and that we'll have details later over the weekend. Um, now, before, at one point, I was operating under the assumption that the Cubs were at 100% vaccinated rate. Um, maybe it's guys they've traded for. Maybe it's guys that are currently on the roster that were in the minors. Uh, thoughts, concerns about that, or at this point, it is what it is? 
you know, I mean, obviously I wish, you know, it was a hundred percent. It's not. And, and we've gotten to the point, I think, where we understand that we're, it, unfortunately, you know, I guess the thing that bothered me the most, I think, is if you saw what happened with the Royals, the Royals traded a bunch of their guys. And remember they had 10 unvaccinated that couldn't go to Toronto or something, literally had to call up like a third of a roster. And, uh, then all of a sudden when they went to contending teams, then they got vaccinated. So apparently their research and all that stuff really didn't matter much. So I don't know what to make of it. Uh, you know, it's, it, this whole thing has become tiresome and, uh, wish it was a hundred percent. Um, I don't know how many of these baseball players are still doing their research and how much of them, how many of them have medical degrees, but, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see who gets what. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one. It's episode number 27. We call this one classic Cubs Cardinals. Cubs drop three of the five against the Cardinals. And now, Crowley, we go up north and take on the Brewers, who are going to open up this 2023 season at Wrigley Field. But I believe these are the last three games of the 2022 season against the Brewers, if I'm not uh if I'm not correct, please let me know. But uh, we've got three games set. It starts tomorrow on Friday up in Milwaukee. And uh, another reason to watch this one Friday night is Justin Steele is going to be on the mound. And before we get to that, Carl, I just want to throw this in. Today, with Mully and Haw, Tommy Hadovy in the same sentence, put Justin Steele and John Lester's name together. You remember we talked about that in the last podcast. Mm -hmm. I was so excited mm -hmm. because John Lester walked up and, and at the same time I was walking up the Wrigley and, uh, to, you know, I'm not saying he was there to see steel or something, but it was cool. We made the comparisons and it, it's, it's, it's just great. And so, you know, the Brewers are kind of going in the wrong direction. They're trending downward. Cubs faced them last weekend. They took two out of three. The Brewers are 65 and 48. But they're four and six in their last ten, and uh, when we, you know, when we talked on this on Thursday, they had a two-game losing streak. But they haven't been the same since they traded Hader, and it's just, uh, you know, they're they're falling behind. The Cubs are fifty-four and seventy, but they're seven and three in their last ten. Uh, so you know, with the Cubs, you have game one, and like you talked about, Justin Steele versus uh, Freddie Peralta. Uh, Steele, and uh, you know, the last time he went out looked really, really good. He didn't get the win. That was that Sunday game that we were watching. And when we saw Freddie Peralta pitch, uh, he, you know, steal against the Brewers on Sunday. He went six innings pitch, two hits, zero runs, one walk, and nine Ks. Uh, he wasn't on the hook for the loss. Uh, but uh, when we talk about Peralta, he pitched on Saturday against the Cubs, six innings pitch, four hits, two runs, three walks, five Ks. Uh, he's getting back from an injury where he was gone a couple months. And so you're seeing, you know, he had a couple starts that were three, four innings, uh, five, now six innings. So he's building his strength back up. So never an easy task. Peralta's a good pitcher. Yeah, it should be a good one. There was there, that, that those games th this past weekend down at Wrigley, that was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So a week ago, those games were highly, highly entertaining. Yeah. And then, like I said, the Cubs really just did a great job. And so the, the hope is, is that, you know, they can continue. They've played both the Cardinals and the Brewers very well this season, much better than last year, and you want that to keep rolling, you know. Um, as far as game two, you have Smiley versus Woodruff, and that one starts at 6-10. And when you talk about Smiley versus Woodruff, uh, like I said, just, you know, you just kind of bang your head at the fact that Smiley just couldn't. The timing was off. You could have really gotten a good haul for him, and he has had an absolutely fantastic month of August. He just all of his starts, 
have just been absolutely phenomenal. And I, I just, I, you know, hopefully it continues in this one. Against St. Louis, he went seven innings pitched. He gave up four hits and three earned runs. Before that in Washington, he went 5.1, four hits, two earned runs. But the guy, the guy just hasn't been giving up runs. And so if they can give him a little run support, you know, they're going to be okay. Yep. I, 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 you're so right about the coulda, shoulda, woulda with Smiley. And it's something that I know we'll discuss when we kind of wrap up the, the season, but not wrap up the podcast. You know, exactly what should the Cubs do with Drew Smiley moving forward? You're talking about the postmortem, right? <laughs> yeah, the postmortem, absolutely postmortem. That that that's going to be a, one of the more interesting uh, postmortem conversations of many that we're going to have to have. Yes, absolutely. And when you, when you talk about Justin Steele and the Brewers, they're starting to see him a little bit now. But but you know, nobody is really doing too well against him yet. You know, so you know, I see a lot of offers here for most of the team. McCutcheon's faced him 12 times. He's batting 250. Uh, Hunter Renfro faced him uh, two times. He's got one hit, so nothing there. And as far as Brandon Woodruff, the Cubs might want to give Wilson Contreras. They say he's going to be back on Friday. He's had an ankle injury. That same ankle he turned at the Field of Dreams game has mm-hmm. kept him out the last couple games. And uh, he hits 143 against Woodruff, so maybe rest the ankle on that one. Uh, but Jan Gomes isn't much better, so maybe it's a P.J. Higgins start. Sure, why not? He needs the reps. I just don't know then, would you want Wilson DHing that day? You give him the day off. God bless you, Crowley. Give him the day off. Um, yeah, you don't I, – I, if I, if Gomes is playing, he's catching. If PJ is playing, he can be catching or playing some first base, I guess. Um, but uh, Reyes should be the DH more times than not. And then, you know, Crowley, we'll get into the predictions in a second, but you and I have both been pulling in the same direction from – for Adrian Sampson, and, and right now he looks like he's going to be the guy on Sunday afternoon up in Milwaukee. Yeah, Sampson, you know, is a guy that you're you're, you're looking at, and when you and he's going to be facing off against Matt Lauer, and that's going to be the getaway day start. Uh, neither one of those guys pitched in the last series, so uh, you know, with Adrian Sampson, I have been somebody that you know he just he had a bad start on Tuesday when I saw him out there, unfortunately, but. Uh, you know, he's one and four with a 404 ERA, 48 Ks. Eric Lauer's nine and five, 344 ERA. He's really saved the Brewers so far this year. And, you know, not a lot of people have seen Adrian Sampson. So, you know, one of those things uh, where, where, you know, you can take advantage of that. Whereas with Eric Lauer, Wilson Contreras hits 300 against him in 10 at bats. So that's something to kind of keep an eye out. Nico Horner, not so good, zero average in nine at bats. So hopefully, you know, maybe a good day for Nico to kind of take off. You kind of just think about those things a little bit. Well, especially uh, this time of year, that. right? Especially this time of year, you want to preserve these guys while getting them the experience they need at the same time. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, if he struggles against them, just, just give him a little bit of a breather and, and, and everyone's going to be fine with it. As far as Adrian Sampson, he did have the win prior to that start on Tuesday, that first win that we were hoping for. That was against Baltimore. And then he didn't qualify for the win against Cincinnati the start before that. So hopefully uh, he's somebody that can, you know, do well. Speaking of doing well, as far as who's hot and who's not, Nick Madrigal, Christopher Morell's starting to pick it up. Rafael Ortega, the last few games, they're hitting 333, all three of them. So pretty good. But, you know, we're having trouble in the catching department. Nico's still at 136, but that doesn't include today's game. And then P.J. Higgins, Nelson Velasquez, both at .056 lately. So it'd be like, nice to get those guys going. 
Uh, as far as the Brewers are concerned, and, and the Brewers are an interesting team just because offensively they had that great hitting, but offensively they have been just hurting. And you look at these numbers the last seven days. They're, they've been struggling. That's why they're three and seven in their last 10. Rowdy Telez is their hottest hitter at 233. <laughs> My buddy Rowdy, 233. Willie Damas is only hitting 221. And so those are the guys that are doing well. So, you know, when you take a look at some of the guys that are struggling, they, they, they just, Lorenzo Cain, 179. Their catcher, Omar Navarez, is at 226. Colton Wong's hitting 239. So a lot of times in baseball, sometimes it's when you catch somebody. Maybe they're, like I said, I was pretty impressed considering what the Cardinals were doing. I know you're frustrated about the last game. I'm impressed with how they did considering the Cardinals were steamrolling everybody and the Cubs came in there and gave them a fight. Yeah, you know, so you, you, you had a couple right. of dunks, I, I, you When know? you say it that way, I get it. I just at this moment, I think it's a combination <laughs> of Paul Goldschmidt and and Marcus Stroman. That exacta going the wrong way is really what's got me hot and bothered. And we're doing this, you know, basically an hour after the Cubs wrapped up that game. So, okay, Crowley, based on what you just said, with the uh, the Brewers you know, trending in the wrong direction. And they're hitting, not being very good. Um, I'll go first this time. I am going to uh, be glass half full here, Crowley. I'm going to say I'm going to say two out of three. I'm going to say they lose the Saturday game. I'm going to say they. I'm going to. I'm going to even go even deeper. I'm going to say they a Friday Sunday win for the Cubs. I am going to agree with you, but I say they're taking game one and two, but not game three. I see Steele doing well and Smiley doing well. Uh, I, I, I don't like the matchup game three, Samson versus Lauer. Samson, uh, Lauer's been throwing pretty well. And Samson, like I said, is just coming off one of his worst starts of the season. So I, I'm going to go two or three as well. I just, I just see it as being a, uh, you know, one of those games where the, the, and then I don't know, it seems like Ross is kind of old fashioned with those getaway day lineups sometimes. Yeah, that is a true point. Uh, Crowley, have a great weekend. Uh, are you going to any of these games, or are you uh, going to Wisconsin and going in another direction? Well, I am going to Wisconsin, and the Cubs are going to be there, but I'm debating whether or not I may take one more trip. So far, I'm 0-2 this year in Milwaukee. One game they got blown out in. The other one, they I think it was a grand slam and extras by, uh, uh, what was his name, former Cub catcher, uh, Vicar Caratini. Oh, Vic, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that I, I don't know. My luck hasn't been very good in Milwaukee. I think it'll be a game-time decision, uh, but uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, if you want to kind of keep up with what we're doing and what's going on, you can follow us at social media on Twitter and Instagram at FlyTheW670. Follow us on Facebook at FlyTheW. And you can email us with any of your thoughts, suggestions, or just to reach out at uh, FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. That's a wrap. Season 1, Episode 27, Classic Cubs Cards is in the books. We'll be back with you at some point on Monday with a wrap of the Brewers and a preview of the Cubs going north of the border, going to Toronto to take on the Blue Jays in Canada. Have a good one.